Hello and welcome to the latest DAC Beechcroft's Lawcast. My name is Rod Richards, Head of Business Development for the Claim Solutions Group of DAC Beechcroft. In this episode, Emma Bowens, our partner in the regulatory safety, health and environment team, is joined by her colleague Rian Greaves, a legal director based on Manchester office. Both discuss changes to allergen labelling requirements for some pre-packaged food that will be introduced from the 1st of October 2021. Hello and welcome to the DAC Beechcroft Safety Net podcast. In this series, we offer solutions to legal challenges in relation to health and safety, environmental matters, and also both food and product safety. My name is Emma Bowens, and I am a partner in the regulatory safety, health and environment team here at DAC Beechcroft. And I am joined by my colleague, Rian Greaves, who is a legal director in our team and is based in our Manchester office. So a warm welcome to you, Rian. Thank you, Emma. So it's good to speak to you today. Um, In this episode, we are going to focus on the area of food labelling and in particular, the labelling of allergens. So Rian and I wanted to make sure that people were aware of some quite important changes coming into effect from the 1st of October 2021 regarding prepackaged food for direct sale. Now this has a wider impact than on just food manufacturers. It can affect many different organisations that either sell or offer food to the public or to workers or others such as um, school children for example. But we'll have more on who is affected by the change later. But I think, firstly, Rian, could you just talk a little bit about why this change in the law has has come about? And um, I'm just conscious that the, the background to this is very significant and important. That's right, Emma, it is. Um, the change in the law is has been named Natasha's Law. And what it is, is actually an amendment to the food information regulations that have existed for some time. Uh, and they set out the details that food businesses have to provide on certain food products. Um, and the law is been so called because it's named after Natasha Ednan Laperouse, who sadly died in 2016 following an allergic reaction to an ingredient in a prepackaged sandwich that she'd bought uh, at an airport outlet. Natasha has an allergy to sesame, um, which was contained within the product, but wasn't on the product's label as one of the ingredients. And in fact, there was no legal requirement to do so at that time. There was no legal requirement to state that the sandwich contained sesame. The sandwich label did contain some information about the ingredients, but not all of it. Um, And as I said, in this case, didn't mention the the sesame contents. And sadly, uh, Natasha had an extremely severe allergic reaction to that ingredient and sadly passed away. And her case highlighted something of a loophole in the law because had the sandwich been made and packaged somewhere else or supplied by another business to the sandwich outlet, full information would have been needed and sesame would have been listed on the label of ingredients. But the fact it had been made, packed and labelled on the same premises where she bought it meant that that information wasn't needed. And that was obviously a, a gap in the law that was lost on the vast majority of consumers and including, sadly, on Natasha. Uh, After Natasha's death, her family led a campaign 
for greater detail to be provided on pre-packed foods with a view to giving allergy sufferers like Natasha increased confidence when buying products. And so the new law, which you've referred to, will come into effect on the 1st of October and will apply across England, Wales and Northern Ireland. And what it will do is require businesses to provide full ingredients lists and allergen labelling on those pre-packed for direct sale foods. Yeah, I mean, actually, I saw some really interesting statistics recently that just highlights, you know, why this change is really so important. Um, You know, there are apparently three million people currently living in the UK with food allergies and a food allergy can develop at any age. So you can you can develop an allergy to a food that you've been eating on a regular basis, you know, all of your life. And apparently since 2005, there's been an increase in A&E admissions in relation to allergens by 615%. So I think that shows just how important it is to to get this right for the future. Absolutely. Um, so Reen, can you tell us which foods um, the new law will apply to? The new law will apply to what's been termed pre-packed for direct sale foods or PPDS foods. And they are uh, broadly foods that are pre-packed for direct sale on the site where they are sold. Um, So typically you might think about a sandwich shop, for example, where there might be a kitchen to the rear of the premises where the sandwiches are made and then wrapped and placed in a display cabinet um, for consumers to come and choose um, and select at lunchtime. Um, But it's much wider than that because also where, uh, for example, a food business might operate a number of units within one site, so possibly at a shopping centre or a stadium or an airport. The rules will cover everything they do on that site. So if they have a central kitchen and then they distribute products across different units within that particular site, um, those foods will be covered. Um, as will uh, food which is sold at temporary venues, for example, in marquees, market stalls, movable premises like food wagons. Um, The rules will also cover those foods as long as the food business that is selling the food also packed it. The foods that that are covered by this new law are basically single items that are ready for sale. So, for example, a sandwich or a salad and their contents can't be changed without opening the packaging. Um, And it's this pre-packed nature of the food that's basically removing the conversation between the retailer and the customer about the contents and what might be in the product. Um, for example, a customer may ask for certain items to be left out of uh, of a, a sandwich, but of course they can't do that if the sandwich is already packed up and ready to be sold. Um, and the product also needs to be partly or completely enclosed. Now, interestingly, the product doesn't have to be sealed in order to meet this definition of pre-packed for direct sale. So if your sandwich or your sweets, for example, are in a paper bag that's folded over at the top, to secure it, that would be considered to be uh, meeting the requirements. Okay. And there are some instances where this gets really tricky. And a good example is school pack lunches. So if that pack lunch is um, made to order for a specific child, then it's not PPDS. But if it's a a generic pack lunch, then um, it will need to be labelled. That's right. So... What does the label actually need to show then? 
Food businesses will need to ensure that all of their labels clearly display the name of the food and a full ingredients list with any allergens emphasized. For example, you often see allergens emphasized in bold or in a different color or in italics. So that will be quite a change for some businesses where currently they may simply be listing a ham salad sandwich, for example. It will now need to have a full list of the ingredients within that sandwich. Right. And and what sort of allergens need to be declared? Under our existing laws, there are 14 allergens that have to be declared on labels. And that is pre-existing law. And that will be carried through into Natasha's law. So PPDS Foods will have to list these 14 allergens. And those allergens include things like eggs, fish, milk, sesame, nuts and mustard. And, and what's interesting is this doesn't just impact large food producers, does it? It's, can you just run through who this does impact? So it impacts anybody who sells or provides PPDS foods. So most obviously it includes sandwich shops and cafes and coffee shops, um, but it will also include some caterers, supermarkets and convenience stores. As you've said, schools and colleges, educational establishments will also have to think about this, along with hospitals, garden centres, and also employers operating staff canteens. But also you have to think it's much wider. We can also expect to see some supply chain pressure, I think, as suppliers will be pressed by food businesses for more transparency around the ingredients that are contained in the individual components that they buy from them to make up the ultimate prepackaged food. Many of the High Street's most well-known brands, of course, been involved in the consultation that has led to this new law. And that consultation was looking at the level of information being provided and the feasibility of giving more detail, both in terms of whether it could be done accurately and the cost of doing so. And as such, the big brand names will have been involved in the development of the new law and are really well resourced and prepared to implement it in time. And of course, we know that many have already rolled out the changes well in advance of the first of October. The question, I think, if any, is whether the smaller outlets know about the changes and if they do, whether they're equipped and able or even inclined in some cases to respond appropriately. Okay, and what sort of, what sort of difficulties do you think they will face? Well, initially, there'll be a training requirement which they'll need to source and pay for to make sure that they understand the process. And of course, then they'll need to interrogate their supply chain to make sure they fully understand the components of everything that they are buying and then putting into the ultimate food products, be it a sandwich, a salad or whatever, um, so that they can ensure that they can label them in accordance with the law, which of course uh, incurs time uh, and possibly extra costs. So it may lead to some businesses changing their business model completely. Um, And once they're back in the kitchen, they also need to think about whether they can properly respond to the law in terms of keeping everything safe from an allergen perspective. Catering, of course, isn't the same as food manufacturing, where there are dedicated lines for particular products and in some cases, completely nut-free sites, for example, to avoid cross-contamination. In smaller catering operations, that just doesn't exist. Equipment might be shared, there'll be smaller workspaces and so on. Uh, And the other thing that businesses will need to think about is enforcement as well. Yeah, and I guess in reality, the the enforcement process is already set up for this, given that allergen compliance is is already part of food standards and hygiene interventions. So what does that mean? You know, the law will be enforced by local authorities, as it is now, either by trading standards officers or environmental health officers. 
So they will inspect businesses and look at things like, is the business selling PPDS foods? And if they are, are they labelled correctly? Uh, they'll consider things like how the food is packaged or made, and what equipment is being used, and where is it being packaged? They'll also look at things like, is there potential for cross-contamination? So they may go through your cleaning regimes, your storage facilities, and consider the equipment that you're using. They'll also look at the allergen information that is being received from your suppliers. So are you making yourself fully aware of what allergens may actually be in the food? And naturally, they'll want to look at your record keeping. Obviously, that's very important for traceability purposes. So how do local authorities approach enforcement when they discover problems? So they say they will take a proportionate and risk-based approach to enforcement. Naturally, they're going to take account of the seriousness of non-compliance um, and also the impact that the non-compliance has had, for example, whether someone's been affected by it, and also the attitude of the business to remedy any problems. And bearing in mind that they do have a wide range of enforcement powers, you know, if a business fails to comply, they can, um, if they want to, just provide advice and guidance or warnings or even a caution. But they can also uh, serve an improvement notice or even prosecute if they um, feel that it is appropriate to do so. And so that obviously comes with significant financial and reputational risk. So. I guess you can see that this can have quite an impact on many businesses. But Rina, I think you've been considering the, the wider impact that this might have on others as well. Absolutely. I mean, one worry is that businesses will focus on just these 14 allergens that form part of the labelling laws and may not sufficiently think about the hundreds of other allergies that may impact their customers. I understand that there are 170 known allergies, which is a real challenge for any business to try and deal with. There is also a school of thought that says providing too much information on a label takes the critical analysis out of the equation. So allergen sufferers could be lulled into a false sense of security and may not raise the red flags that they otherwise would, particularly if their allergy is to one of those other allergens. This is particularly of concern in the young adult age range where statistics tell us that the average age for a fatal allergic reaction is 19. And that's thought to be because that's the age at which most people become independent and start to make their own autonomous food choices for the first time. And if you think about the potential for product recalls due to incorrect labelling information, there is a worry really around the fact that allergen sufferers may place over-reliance on the accuracy of the label because there seems to be broad agreement that successful allergy management works best when there's a two-way conversation between the food business and the customer about their specific requirements. I think there is also a concern that risk-adverse businesses or those who don't fully understand the new requirements will start to list labels that may contain particular ingredients or are not suitable for particular people just to cover themselves. And that's not really particularly helpful either, um, especially if you're a hungry customer. The FSA does support the inclusion of this type of detail on the label, but only where there's a real risk of allergen cross-contamination, which has been identified by a risk assessment. They do say that this sort of precautionary detail could be misleading food information and so shouldn't be used as a general disclaimer. And of course, if a label just contains a list of all 14 allergens, whether there is a chance it's in the food or not, um, that's just helpful to nobody. 
Thanks, Rina. I mean, that just shows just how much there is to think about in relation to this issue and the kind of um, broader issues that um, it brings up. For those of you uh, that need further information, there are some very useful tools on the Food Standards Authority website. Um, there's a really useful toolkit that you can work through and also some very helpful sector specific guidance. But obviously we are advising our clients about these kind of issues every day. And if this is something that you have questions about, or you want to chat through that with us, then do pick up the phone to either Rian or I. Our numbers are on the DAC Beechcroft website, or you can email us at she, S-H-E, at dacbeachcroft.com and we will get in touch with you and we can advise you further and, and help to make sure that you are compliant. So thank you, Rian. It was uh, really lovely to talk to you uh, about Thanks, this Emma. issue today and um, I hope everyone's found this episode really useful and we look forward to bringing another Safety Net podcast to you very soon.